What is up, everybody? Welcome to Resonant Reels with your favorite podcast hosts. I'm Adam. And I'm Chandler. And we are back with another awesome episode. Uh, I'm particularly pumped about this one because Chandler gets to talk for the majority of it. Uh, So, you know, me and and our, our Breaking Bad episodes. Today, we're doing something a little different. And we had a double feature of the Twilight Saga's New Moon and Eclipse. And Chandler is going to uh, probably more rant than discuss his feelings and what he thinks was happening during these movies. And I'm going to provide some insight as somebody who religiously read all of the books uh, and unironically loved the movies when they came out. Um, Shout out to my group of friends who I honestly don't remember who they were because this was in high school uh, very early on, but we went to the midnight premiere of New Moon. So maybe it was actually middle school now that I'm thinking about it, which would make more sense. Stayed up. My ass stayed up and went to the midnight premiere of the Twilight Saga New Moon. So, you know, you could say that I'm a fan. Maybe just a little bit. And I just feel so bad for you for staying up that late for such a garbage (laughs) movie. Like, I am so sorry, personally, to have you waste so much of your time. Oh, man. Great. So I take it you loved it and you have no notes. That's what I've just gathered. I mean, okay, so... We, so we, we watched the first movie previously, early episodes, part of our, I think, Guilty yes, Pleasures, it right? Was my, my Guilty Pleasure pick was was the OG Twilight of the Twilight Saga. Yeah, so we're doing New Moon and Eclipse. And so like New Moon, uh, to me, it was a movie of nothing. Nothing happens, it feels like, <laughs> to this whole movie. It was pointless. I'm sitting here being like, what? Like... Literally nothing is happening. It feels like nothing at all. And and I I wonder how much that is the changes in the screenplay with the author involvement more so because I've like I've done a little digging and I feel like the author kind of got more involved. Yes, and it's clearly stylistically drastically different than the first Twilight movie, and and also Eclipse is also drastically stylistically different than all of them like they're all different and i'm losing my mind and i'm like you need to choose something because these are a story together and this is my problem when it comes to franchises or trilogies that like go off the rails for no reason and it's because like a new director's at the helm or a new you know creative team or you know there's commotion behind the scenes or what have you sure but like it hurts the overall franchise and pacing and storytelling to me like this movie didn't need to happen this could have been twilight and then (laughs) eclipse like eclipse (laughs) talked about everything that happened in new moon essentially like it it is a pointless movie to me heard damn all right all right i hear you i hear you i will say that um as opposed to, which I don't think I talked about a whole lot when we were talking about Twilight, there were a lot of differences and a lot of liberties taken in the movie versus the book. And I believe that is why Stephanie Meyer, the author, got more involved with the later films, starting with this one, is why she was a little bit more hands-on. So you might be shocked to hear that this movie of nothingness actually 
has very little change from the book. What? And if I do remember, this book is a little thicker than the first one. So as a reader, you were reading the equivalent amount of pages of nothingness as you were watching them. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I'm, I, this, oh, that's just a bad, uh, just, it's just bad to me. It's just so bad. I think everyone's trying to work with what they're given. It feels like a lot in these movies at this point. Absolutely. Like this is the starting point of that for sure. Yes. I mean, I because I know Melissa Rosenberg is still signed on writing, doing the screenplay adaptations and probably doing the best she's got. Like she's being paid probably good money, but she's like got an author involvement to just make it the way the author wants it because you know the what whatever possible threats of shutting down the whole production kind of thing and like you got actors probably on like multi-movie contracts and you got to fulfill those or the studio get upset like i understand the logistics and everything but man people were just hoping to make bank and i they did i mean these movies did so well at the box office for like compared to oh, their budgets. Yes, because you had people like me showing up at the midnight premieres to watch these movies. No part of me is surprised. I feel like the the era of like the finishing of the Harry Potter series, Twilight, Hunger Games, um the brief blip that was like divergent because it didn't get super popular but it was still kind of like in with this like it was the peak of YA stories. Even the Percy Jackson uh, movies kind of fell in there, even though they royally fucked up the Percy Jackson movies. All of those, I feel like, just created this in a weird way. I would equate it to the way that like Marvel is like schlepping out movies right now. Um, like, like it was the YA era of that. And so I'm not surprised that they did well at all, even for how arguably terrible they are <laughs> yeah I, it was it was the perfect timing and there wasn't like a lot of as big of like a social media boom that there is now of like tiktok like tiktok wasn't a thing and if tiktok was a thing back then people would probably be trashing these movies sure or gaining them even more traction which is which is crazy yeah yeah i think people or producers were probably very clever to release these movies when they did because you know harry potter was finishing hunger games i think was starting or in process at this time somewhere in its four movie saga um that it is and people were like oh we can do darker young adult stuff even though it's like yeah harry potter went super dark like that's that's the point of harry potter but like they saw the hunger games and hunger games is like oh we're literally pitting children against each other to the death we can go dark now for these pg-13 audiences let's do it so this movie new moon it starts out with a weird ass nightmare sequence that i was digging i dug it quite a bit so okay. just i was cool it's very surrealist in a sense and i was like cool but then like nothing made sense beyond it because it was just like i'll get into it later but the rest of the nightmare she has throughout this movie don't seem to matter or anything because she's just <laughs> screaming like she's dying and i'm just losing my mind anyways 
<laughs> oh my God, this is the best episode we've ever had. Okay, keep going. <laughs> so Bella has woken up from these nightmares and it's her 18th birthday. And, you know, she's the moody, classic teenager that doesn't want to be recognized for birthdays and stuff like that, you know, but like trying to be like correct alternative cool about it. And I'm like, shut up, poser. And, and we're going to school. And so I can only imagine because I believe we ended at prom in the first movie. So a summer has happened, I'm guessing. Yes, I, I believe so. Yes. She and Edward are like still a thing, but I guess they haven't seen each other all summer because, you know, probably because they're sparkling fucking vampires. I'm just, it's fine. It's fine. There's just weirdness between everybody. It's I don't like they break all of the rules of trying to keep secrets that they were like very hard on about in the first movie that they're just publicly talking about in the parking lot, in the hallways of school, that they're vampires and stuff like that. And I'm like, anyone can overhear you right now. Like literally what the fuck? Like I understand it's high school, but someone's going to hear you. Like I'm not going to be surprised to someone's be like, I knew you were vampires all along and I've been in my secret yeah, basement. Right, like, <laughs> like, ah. like a fucking Buffy thing of like someone trying to figure out like Buffy's a slayer and stuff like that. Like that's this one. There's I a compare. whole secondary plot line happening actually throughout Twilight. And it's just these regular teenagers trying to figure out like what the fuck is up with these incestual vampires that just hang out at school all the time. Right. That's what it feels like. Anyway, so... Edward's family, they they want to throw Bella a birthday party, even though she doesn't like really want it and everything. But like because she's in on their secret and stuff and Edward clearly has chosen her for like a life partner in immortality, life partner, whatever. I creepy nonetheless, because he's a hundred and something years old and she's literally 18. And I'm just like, Edward, you're not a teenager. Like I you you this literally doesn't make sense for you to still think and act like a teenager if you haven't grown in the last like 80 years like it does not make any sense anyways we're still getting vampires doing like their fucking superpower bullshit controlling people's minds or like you know being super fast and jumping super high at this birthday party I, I, I barely remember any of the dialogue or anything because it just all seems pointless in this movie. That's actually very valid. That's okay. There's only one line that matters and we'll talk about it later. So at the birthday party, Bella cuts herself accidentally opening a gift or something. And uh, I don't remember his name. Uh, one of the Colons, he's like the young, technically the youngest one from like drinking human blood and stuff like that goes... Jasper. Jasper, thank you. Goes apeshit crazy. He was my favorite. Just just throwing that out there. Uh, he was actually my favorite character. Uh, and then they made him fully like a racist from the Civil War. And I was like, oh, no, never mind. Jasper goes a little crazy. Edward stops it. Everyone kind of like stops it. And there's like a lot of confusion. And Papa Colin is like, I'm going to fix you up, Bella. And then they have this like weird conversation that I don't remember anything that happens in it when he's like, literally sewing up giant glass wounds because Bella was thrown across the room by Edward like she was nothing. A rag doll. <laughs> like, Edward, are you a dumbass? Like, these vampires feel so dumb sometimes. So dumb. And I'm like, you are literally centuries old. Like, you cannot, how, how are you this dumb? Later, I think it's that night, next day, I don't really know, Edward takes Bella home and he tells her that they're leaving town. 
and she can't come with and essentially breaks up with her because they need to keep in hiding, but Edward doesn't want to burden her with their life and everything. And Bella is so enamored and just obsessed, like sickly obsessed, like go get some mental health professional help obsessed with Edward and wanting to become a vampire with him because she believes he is his soulmate. And I'm like, girl, girl, shop around. Please just shop around just a little bit. They are. But he's so special and he sparkles. (laughs) It's not enough. It's not enough, Adam. (laughs) Bella essentially goes through like a depression montage, which was like actually kind of filmed pretty cool. I just wish she moved a little bit because it's the shot sequence that the camera is doing like a 360 around her and like we see outside the window and we see like months go by and like there's a bunch of these titles that pop up of like October, November, December and we see like the season change. And that, that was really artistically beautiful and I love that choice. But like Bella is sitting there in the same clothes, same position, looking like a dead person, deadpan, not doing anything. And I'm just like, what is the direction? For this character, because I feel nothing for her because she's giving me nothing. She is just like a corpse. Like I'm missing stuff here. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh, between all before Edward left. Sorry, I forgot about some of the best dialogue in in this fucking movie that made me want to vomit every time I heard it from Edward <laughs> before he leaves Bella. It's like. You give me everything just by breathing. You're the only one who can hurt me. You're my only reason to stay alive. And I'm like, toxic, red flags, get the fuck out. This is not okay. Like, no. And they're like, they haven't even been dating for a year. A 100-something-year-old fuckboy. Losing my mind here. But yeah, so we get this montage thing that's like overly dramatic, but there's no character emotion, so I nothing feels like anything. Bella's dad is still the fucking best character. Charlie's great. And growing up is realizing that Charlie was the only normal character. Yes, he is a he is what normal people would do. Normal people reactions, normal people flaws, like none of this like weird, toxic, corrupt bullshit that doesn't make any sense at all. Charlie like at one point, just kind of just like goes off on Bella being like, you need to like get out. Like you are not okay. I am worried about you because this whole time, like Bella's been having nightmares and like, it's hard to tell if like Edward is literally causing these nightmares through his vampire powers or not, or if she is just like that mentally disturbed that she needs professional help. She is that mentally disturbed. She's that mentally disturbed that she needs professional help. He is absolutely not causing the nightmares because she's immune to his powers, obviously. Right. right. I forgot. She's immune to his powers. So this is actually purely just just her needing to see a psychologist and not doing that. I'm, I'm at a loss for words. I'm just at a loss because the movie made it seem like something else. And I forgot that like Bella is like this special kryptonite to like all vampires. Uh, we find this out. If you, if you haven't seen 
these movies that I'm sorry. Like this isn't this is like one of those topics where it's like there's no such thing as a spoiler because it, this has been out for forever. They're not great. They're not great in my opinion, but it's fine. It's it's a great fun watch with a group of people, sure. Just to like shoot the shit and everything. So we have this like really depressed Bella and like uh, Kristen Stewart is doing the best job she can with the shitty direction she's probably getting about how to be a depressed teenager like this movie what is it he's it's directed by chris whites who is like known for american pie correct like he directed (laughs) the first american pie movie and i'm sitting here being like cool cool i mean he also did like the golden compass film adaptation i think and i mean he's he's written a lot but like this movie does not do well with him directing or Stephanie Meyer ruining it further and making it like her book, even though her book has no substance. Here's my here is my overall what I'll say about the Twilight series. This is how I feel. This is how I feel. I remember this being a series of books and movies at the time as well that brought me as a child a lot of joy. I was obviously not the only one considering how much of box office smashes these were. I remember I had this English teacher who I adored because what, you know, I don't know what artsy nerd queer kids don't like, I don't know, follow their English teachers to the absolute death into battle. You know, I fucking loved him. He was awesome. I remember one day in class, he just started shitting on the Twilight books and I was like, devastated. But here's the thing. He did a really good job at not shitting on it in a way that made it you feel like if you liked it, that like you liked bad content. But but from it from a perspective of like, this writing isn't good. And there are other people out there who are writing equally as entertaining stories about these same concepts, romances, whatever you want for this like young adult genre who have better writing. And I really appreciated that because I was like, you know, we're we're vulnerable teenagers and if the your idol is like this thing sucks, you're like, damn. Yeah, this thing sucks. Like and and you know, whatever. As an adult, I can even further realize how horrible this all is as general content like it's not good it's not good a good product however i stand by that it fulfilled what it needed to uh and what it was meant to this was never meant to be like star wars groundbreaking you know sort of stuff this was meant to be like hey little 13 year old who read the new moon book here's your midnight premiere like enjoy and like we did okay so (laughs) so i think that's why i'm like when you're ranting i'm like oh yeah nothing you're saying is wrong at all at all i just happened to be a part of the group that was into it when it launched and so now there's like a group of people who never were into it trying to watch it now and this is what you get you get what the actual fuck is happening this was two hours of a girl 
crying and screaming from nightmares. That is pretty much what this movie is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, among a little other things, but like that—that that was pretty much it. Like, I yeah, I do not want to be offensive to people who love it. I am being critical of the material itself, and I hope I make that clear. A hundred percent. Yeah, because I just don't understand the 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 story, the characters, the choices being made to think this is good. You know, it it's just objectively so bad. I, I get it too. I watch a lot of shitty B movie horror films and I love some of them. I get it. I get it. But I also recognize they're bad at yes. times. <laughs> and that's the truth. That's what that's facts. That's what we all need to acknowledge. I get the one chance to be super emotional about a topic that Adam's allowing me to, and I'm taking full stock and I'm gonna go ham with it all. So yeah, Bella's dad essentially kind of like goes off on her in like a he's he's a little harsh, but I think it's understandable because he's probably literally losing his mind because he's hearing his daughter screaming in the middle of the night every night. And he's just like, you need help. Like you are clearly obsessed with this boy who is no longer here. You need to find new friends or go hang out with the friends you once had before Edward became everything in your life or go back to Florida with your mom, which she should have just done that. She should have just gone back to fucking Florida with her mom and moved on. Just move the fuck on because she is not okay mentally. And I don't think she ever gets better mentally in these two movies. And I, and I fear for her so much. And you should. Yeah, 100%. I don't know if it's like it's around this part or something. Muse, the band Muse has another song. Like this is the one thing I'm banking on that like every movie has a Muse song in it. And I'm like, I'm all for it. I don't remember what it was exactly because I don't even remember the scene it was in. I just have a note down here that was like more Muse. And I was like excited. I was psyched. It was like it was a it was a high point to keep keep my adrenaline trying to get through these movies because I watched these back to back and it was really hard to watch another movie after watching New Moon Yikes. because nothing happened and I feel like I wasted time and I was like I don't yeah. I don't want to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so then Bella like is trying to get back with in connection with like her high school friends and stuff and she's hanging out with Anna Kendrick's character. I don't remember her name. Yeah, you know what? I don't really either. It's Anna Kendrick. You know, it's just... Yeah, it's, it's Anna Kendrick. <laughs> <laughs> and they're hanging out. They're hanging out doing girl stuff, and they're, like, going shopping, but we never actually see them go shopping, I don't think. They're just walking around town. Jessica. Her name's Jessica. Right. They, they talk about going to see movies, and then, like, they're walking across the street, and down the street are, is, like, a biker gang. And I'm just, like, I'm still confused of how big this small town is. Because it's just got like, there's like so many unknown people and there's like a full high school, right? But like everyone else is very much like we know everybody. And I'm like, how small is this small town? It it don't make sense. The actual population of Forks, Washington, where this takes place, is a little over 3,300 people uh, as of, and that was in 2021. That is like my whole high school population. That is yes. tiny. A accurate, <laughs> accurately, uh, same as well, roughly. So there's this biker gang and Bella has like started this 
she starts having these weird ghost visions of Edward, which we learn it's like kind of actually him. Like he has these this ability to transfigure himself as like a ghost entity to try to warn Bella of things. And I'm like, how does this this cool? We're just pulling more shit out of our ass. Fine. Whatever. And he's trying to stop her because I guess he senses like her putting herself in danger and i'm like but like if she blocks all power how how can you sense things from i'm confused this is also a differentiation from the book there's very few and the few that there are they're kind of minimal in the book he never a like there's never a visual representation of him. It is always just like her hearing his voice in her head when she goes to do something intentionally dangerous. And the so when the the visual thing is very much like a movie choice and I feel like it really played into her being delusional. Like the fact that she was seeing him, I feel like just adds this whole extra layer of like Oh, she needs help, help. Like, she's not doing well at all. She essentially starts becoming an adrenaline junkie, but it feels like she wants to get hurt or, like, worse by doing dangerous things. And I'm just like, you are literally giving yourself a death sentence, and I don't like this because this just really means you need help and you don't get it. And that's frustrating to me because because I haven't seen her get better I feel like people shouldn't write these kinds of characters because that is that is it is not okay because she's still like this. And that is my issue is that it's not that she hasn't like if she got help or if it was a tragic tale where she did lose her life for something, but it was done in a correct manner for storytelling, even though I don't think we really need those kinds of stories anymore because we have a lot of those stories, then I can see the purpose of it. But there's none of that. There is none of that. Like the the moral of the story is to stay in your toxic, evil relationship that is bad for everyone involved. Like I, and it's a terrible lesson. It's terrible. And I just you're saying this to impressionable children, and I just cannot understand that. That's that is actually very fair. I think what was meant to be like a very upset about a breakup sort of thing absolutely got morphed into this like intense severe depression or like at least portrayal of depression like scariness because adrenaline junkie is honestly even putting it lightly because she's like looking for situations to die like not not even like to get a a thrill necessarily but i think like in a in an interesting way too like throughout this movie her reactions to edward are like he's a drug like he was essentially like this dopamine drip to her this whole time and now he's completely cut himself off cold turkey and now we're kind of watching her literally like the screaming and everything was in relation to me or like the way it related to me was like withdrawals and then when she felt that she could get a hit of that drug which is when she has these crazy delusional visions of him being like hey don't be an idiot don't do that thing she's chasing those experiences but she's only chasing those experiences because she's actually chasing 
the dopamine hit of seeing him. So yeah, it is like it's it's fucked up. Further, my issue is it's like it's it's never once explained that Edward is like a drug in just being around him or anything. So therefore, to me, it's it's bad storytelling because we are just seeing someone who is mentally and emotionally broken. Like they need help and it's not it's not comparable to drug withdrawal to me. It is it is someone who got lost very much in their own head and they need professional help to ground them more and and really help them move forward and process things more quote unquote normally so it's not as you know destructive in the future and that and that is my big problem with this because being someone who has a lot of mental illness it's infuriating and it's frustrating and it hurts that someone is taking advantage of mental health problems and using that in the storytelling format and exploiting it like it it feels very exploitative to me and it's it's gross it's very gross back to these bikers my goodness she just convinces jessica that like oh she knows them and she just literally just walks down the street and goes talks to these these bikers because she's seeing and hearing edward and she's like oh it's this is the way I can keep seeing and hearing him. And so she literally rides on the back of this guy's motorcycle for a while and like has like a, a, some sort of freak out panic at some point and then like returns back to Jessica. And like I'm sitting here being like, if I were Jessica, like she would have been gone for like at least 10 minutes. I would have just walked off. I've been like, nah, I'm not mm-mm. like you. You have a death wish. I'm not. Mm-mm. I'm good. Like because she even like said that she's like, are you crazy? They can do anything to you. And like, that is key. Like, yes, you do not know these people and they clearly want to take advantage of a woman. They do not seem like chill guys. Like they, they want something. Well, and this was a callback to the first movie when Edward saved her from those like group of guys in the alley because he could like, he, and he said he could like hear their thoughts and they were like disgusting or whatever. And she remembered that that he had saved her previously. So that's why she put herself into this position with this group of men in this one. However, another small difference. In the book, as she goes to talk to this group of guys, she hears Edward's voice and she doesn't actually approach them. So she actually listens to the voice and never winds up riding the bike or anything in the, uh, in the book. So then after this... Also, at the, I think it was at the very, very beginning, we saw a brief glimpse of Jacob because, yeah, Jacob's still around. Let's, and he's still like fawning over Bella. Absolutely. He, yeah, he showed up on Bella's birthday with a surprise gift at, and it was a dream catcher, which is so ironic because she's literally having nightmares all the time. And I'm sitting here being like, <laughs> Correct. for a book that has been arguably exploiting the indigenous tribe of this region, and stuff like that. Like, wouldn't you have committed to the Dreamcatcher actually being a artifact that worked? Like, I, that's just bad writing, in my opinion. Yeah. Because we learn more that, like, this tribe has ancestral power 
that is in line with like the vampires that we've seen in this universe of just special mystical powers. I'm going to call it mystical because I don't really know how to overall define this whole universe of Twilight. Yeah. So mystical seems best without trying to offend. Like, I do not want to offend. Yes, yes. I think mystical is a good word. I also think there's just more liberties taken. So in the book, there is no dream catcher. The first time that she sees Jacob again is when she brings the motorcycles to him. Gotcha. Yeah, which is which is where we get to now that she shows up with these motorbikes. They're like these off-road motorbikes that are but she picked up from a junkyard or something. And she's like, yo, you want to help me rebuild them? Because she has the ulterior motive to utilize them to try to see Edward, even though it seems like she's going to use it because she doesn't know how to doesn't know how to ride these things clearly is like going to get herself in a lot of danger and precarious situations with this he agrees because he's fawning over her but like he seems like a very chill dude like at this point jacob is very like supportive i mean he's he's like 17 or whatever so he's like he's he is such a real teenager at this point that i was like oh i get you like like you got a big crush I get it, but, like, you're not trying to let that dominate your whole life. Like, that's awesome. Great. And, like, you're you're a great mechanic, and he goes to school off the reservation, so he doesn't go to, like, the same public high school as everyone else. And so we just kind of, like, have this, like, big old montage of them, like, rebuilding the bikes and becoming, like, better friends and everything. And I was psyched because an OK Go song played, and I was like, it's fucking OK Go, let's go. (laughs) Like... I am surprised for how good the soundtracks are for these movies, for how terrible they are. Okay, this was going to be a fun fact of mine for this movie. Um, But my fun fact is that in 2019, Robert Pattinson did an interview and he specifically stated that for this movie, he thought that the soundtrack was ahead of its time. Yeah, it was so good. Like, surprisingly, like, Whoever is the the music supervisor was doing a great job of like figuring out what music to put in props to like getting some of these hits in there. I feel like Muse was like, fuck it. I don't care. Like our song made buttons of money off the first one. Yeah. They're like, we're Muse. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, we kind of like at the end, like they they finally finished rebuilding the bikes. And so they take them out and they're about to dry, try and test drive them to see if they work. And there's a lot of kidding of like Bella's kidding around, like, you sure they're going to work? And Jacob's like, do you trust me? And there's like this, like back and forth of like Jacob wished he could have extended the time so they could hang out more. But Bella's like really nice being like, I would have found a different project to work with you if you didn't rebuild these bikes with me because I need to spend time with someone. And I'm like, great. A great friendship. Jacob seems like a great dude. Fucking just fall in love with him before any terrible shit happens. Like, this is, like, good moment. They start test driving these motorbikes. Bella goes ham and, like, immediately goes out of control, like, falls off the bike and smashes her head into a rock. I swear, any other movie, that person would be dead from, like, that slam into that rock. Like, I've seen oh, yeah, it in that was, other movies. They, that was a rough, that was a rough hit. They said, commit. <laughs> and we saw Edward, and then Jacob's like, oh, no, 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 and he rushes to her and bandages her up because she's bleeding from the head, which is, like, crazy of, like, go see professional help. I'm terrified for you. But then we also get to see the sexy body of Jacob in this moment, <laughs> who is played by none other 
than Taylor Lautner. This is like Pete Taylor sure Lautner. I question how much steroids is involved. I hope it wasn't. I hope it was just a rigorous. I believe workout. it is zero. Okay, uh, great. Because he, there was a whole interview um, about like what was required of him. I'm not saying that what the I don't even know who this would fall under, but like agents and production or whatever put him through was okay considering like how much his body changed in such a short period of time but there were no drugs involved good i mean that's good to hear i mean yeah i mean we've all heard the stories of a lot of these movies i mean specifically marvel at times when like someone's casted in marvel and they're like you need the superhero body and like we've heard it from like Robert Downey Jr. We've heard it. We've heard it from like mostly everyone who's kind of just out of the MCU now of just like how ridiculous it was sometimes. And it was just like insane. And like, I wouldn't be surprised at times they use performance enhancing drugs to like keep it that way for the image for Marvel. But like there, there's always that worry when it comes to these huge transformations of actors and stuff like that. It's a commitment to the part. I get it. But, like, that's hard on your body and scary. So after this, Bella's kind of, like, gotten back together with her, like, old school friend group, kind of. And and one of them, who's, I, I don't know his name, but he's a little quirky and weird. I don't vibe with him. He seems a little off kilter to me, but that's just, I guess, how he portrayed that character to me. I was just like, I don't jive with you. You seem, like, a little, it's like, it's between. Are you talking about the one who asks her to the movies? Yeah, yeah. Mike. His name is Mike. Mike. He feels like between too desperate and desperate enough to do bad things. And it's just like, it's telling to me that's how that character came off. So I was like, knowing how I've been watching these movies of how bad people have been in relationships and manipulation, I just had warning sirens kind of going off but like i probably didn't mean that way but that's how it felt for me with him of just like i don't want him to switch and become a dark character and i hope he never does he hasn't so far we may never see him again after this movie anyways in like a important <laughs> capacity because it's how these fucking movies work it feels like anyways he asks her to the movie and bella kind of tries to make it like a group going thing the group hang actively avoid the date yeah and lo and behold everyone like cancels but mike and bella invited jacob you know and it's just this like awkward like two guys with a girl they like in the movie sitting with her and, and bella's like wanting to go see a fucking like dumb action movie well because mike was clearly trying to make it a date because he asked her to go see this new romance movie that dropped and she was like no no romance what about like a like an action movie and then the movie is called face punch they named the fake action movie face punch i love it it's the best cliche bullshit i think for this because it's so stereotypical especially of action movies of that time where they're just over the top bullshit violence with not a lot of plot substance so they're in this movie theater and they're watching it like i i also her choice in that moment felt like also part of the adrenaline junkie side of bella in my opinion so like it made sense for that because she's kind of been going down this route and she she's avoiding romantic stuff whatsoever because of Edward, even though she's still fully committed and 
trying to see him any way she can in these very, very stupid um, choices that is going to get herself killed. So they're in the movie theater and it's hilarious because like both of the guys on either <laughs> side of her, they have like their hand out on the armrest waiting for her to like pick to like hold hands during the movie. Palms up waiting. It's so good. I feel like sitting there like trying to ignore it, I feel like. And then Mike at some point like runs out of the theater because he can't handle the violence or something. And I'm like, what I'm hearing is just guns shooting a lot and bad dialogue so like how gruesome can it be it's not like a saw film or anything like yeah well so one of the one of the things is like one of the friends canceled because he had the stomach flu and his girlfriend therefore canceled so that she could take care of him so i think the the joke there was you know jacob called him out said he had a weak stomach or whatever not like a real man a real man would be able to like watch that or whatever but i think we as the audience are technically supposed to know it's very unfortunate timing of him also contracting the stomach flu because he's like good friends with the the guy who who had it yeah and and jessica bailed because she was definitely not into watching this movie yeah understandably With her ex-boyfriend, because Mike and Jessica get together at the end of Twilight at prom. Right. I forget all of these things. So, yeah, this makes sense. This makes sense why people bailed the way that... So, yeah, he throws up, and then Jacob, once Mike gets back out of the bathroom, Jacob's, like, joking around, but then out of nowhere, he, like snaps and becomes like super ragey and it's terrifying and you're like what the fuck just happened to jacob i thought jacob was a chill dude i was hopeful for good things but (laughs) jacob is like what the fuck and jacob's like i don't know what happened i'm sorry and i'm over here being like because i fucking know this because of the zeitgeist that is this fucking movie and pop culture he's a fucking werewolf but i want to correct my statement because werewolf is inaccurate so i'm going to call him a lichen and and i further learned from my partner because this doesn't get explained until like breaking dawn at some point that they're <laughs> actually shapeshifters and that because their tribe worship's not the right word but they're like spirit animal protector is the wolf in the region that members of this tribe uh, at a certain age and for whatever mystical reasons that's kind of not explained very well by Stephanie Meyer start undergoing transformations of of being able to transform into wolves. I'll say this statement now and then we can come back to it later. The men of this tribe specifically. This franchise is so much of setting up rules and then breaking them all. It feels like (laughs) all the time. Yeah, even the Wikipedia page, like I'm double checking the plot so I don't hop around too much, calls them werewolves. And I'm like, they're not, though, because they can change any time. They're actually just wolves. They're just they're just shapeshifters. So like Jacob just kind of like goes MIA and like Bella starts going back down this like terrible cycle of, you know, depression and, you know, just being sucked into this vortex of like darkness and like i'm like go get some professional help go talk to a professional this is not okay like you cannot just like utilize people around you to be your help like it doesn't like everyone's going through their fucking problems because we're all teen like they're all teenagers like like everyone's struggling so she's trying to like contact jacob and she can't get to him so she ends up like going to his house she sees him outside and he's 
walking around shirtless in the rain. This is all in the rain. Like it's heavy rain because we're in Washington and it rains a lot in Washington. And it's heavy rain. He's shirtless walking around and he's cut his hair. So this is short hair Taylor Lautner now that we have. It is. With big old pecs in a six pack and just walking around in the rain being all wet and everything. And Bella goes and has an argument with him because earlier in the movie, there was this group of guys of of this tribe, the Quaalute tribe, right? Did I say that right? I believe so. Yeah. And there's a there was like a group of them that were like these kind of chaotic ones where one was like a pack leader and you know, Jacob thought they were weird, but now he's joined them because he's been going through changes and he doesn't want Bella to see it because it's also a secret. And we learn he can't tell her the secret because of this weird pack commitment to each other. It's it's because he's part of a pack, he has to obey orders from his pack leader it's very weird it is a part of the mystic if that's the word we're using here um it is like an actual like magic thing i can't think of a different word but like whatever the pack leader says physically cannot be broken like they like they literally cannot say like if they're told, hey, you can't talk, tell anybody about this, they physically cannot tell people. Yeah, it's it's like a weird extra step in telepathy of control. It's like partially hypnosis, but like they still partially have free will. It's very bizarre, but like also they can hear each other's thoughts, which I thought was fucking weird too. And <laughs> just like, I don't... There were some things that translated a lot better in a book than it did in a movie. And the hearing each other's thoughts thing absolutely worked better in the books i'm saying this being like me as an audience member i know all these things bella doesn't she's just confused why she's lost contact with jacob and why jacob's joined this group that he once said he would never be part of and she goes and like slaps one of them i think in this moment is this yes because they're they're being jerkwads and she slaps paul in the face yeah she slaps paul and then paul starts to lose it and the pack leader, Sam, is like, calm down, calm down. He doesn't. He fully transforms into a wolf and tries to attack Bella. And then we see Jacob transform to protect Bella. And Bella is just like in shock. And I'm like, Bella, what the fuck did you expect? Like, like you went down partially <laughs> this path in the first movie of researching, you know, mythical creatures and stuff and legends of the area that you've moved to. Like, how how do you not remember this from last year? Like, when did you remember? And Jacob all the even weird- calls her out on that. He's because all she remembers is the vampire part, and he's like. I can see why that's the only part of the stories you would remember. And I was like, damn, uh, get her, get her. Yeah, <laughs> I was just like, who? Uh, yeah, Bella, 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 you, you are better than this sometimes. So anyways, Bella almost gets attacked kind of saying, like a fight goes out between Jacob and I already forgot his, Paul, Paul. And so the pack leader's like, yo, take her to so-and-so's house, I think, in this point, right? And so she kind of goes to Sam's house, is what we learn. It's it's Sam's house, and it's kind of like this pack house that people... It's like their home base. It's their home base together, where they all hang and chill and stuff like that. Bella meets Sam's fiance Emily, and she has a huge facial scar, and it's from 
Sam when he lost control one point and she got hurt from Sam. That's kind of what we learn. They kind of like have to accept Bella understands who they are now. Like I don't I don't understand why Bella is so special. Honestly, that like she gets to know all the secrets. Yeah, I think part of it in this case is it's obvious to this tribe that Bella knows about the Cullens because she was hanging out with them so much. So I think I think in this case, they're more like, okay, well, you know, you're already kind of in the fucked up world. So welcome to the rest of the fucked up world, you know? Yeah. From this, Jacob kind of, he returns and like everything's like he and Paul are chill and they're like, you know, growing being, out. Yeah, they're chilling. And everyone's joking around about like, finally, like Jacob can stop thinking about you all the time and everything. And it's just like all weird because it's just like this whole like everyone hears each other's thoughts stuff. It's so weird. But like Jacob's like, like, this is why I didn't tell you because like you're in with the colons and stuff like that. And, you know, they're vampires and we have this like treaty thing, but they don't go super in depth with the treaty thing that like they don't attack each other. But like they have there's territorial treaties at some point between this bella goes and hikes to the meadow because she wants to like see edward again because she's had this like loss of like purpose or anything and she runs into mr vampire who is the coolest fucking dude from the first movie in my opinion laurent and he's there being like yo bella went to the colon's place they weren't there surprise they left their pet here by themselves and like he knows what's up and bella can't lie and then like edward appears again in this like mystical he's form. like lie better <laughs> bella, terrible liar terrible liar and laurent's like i'm gonna take you out because victoria still wants revenge and she has decided that taking out edward's true love would be equal to edward killing her you know, life partner, true love, because that's what happened at the end of the first movie was, you know, a bunch of weird vampire fights at the last like fucking 10 minutes of the movie. Correct. So Laurent's like, I'm going to kill you because I'll do it quickly because Victoria will toy with you and torture you for a long time to make you feel it. So just let this happen. And then out of nowhere, I think it was like Jacob shows up with the pack and everything and they all fight him out. Yeah, this happened before because she doesn't know about the wolves yet. Yeah, so this happened before and so she's freaking out of these like giant wolves and everything because meanwhile, subplot through all of this, a lot of people have been going missing and people keep thinking like it's bears or like some crazy animal that's like tearing people apart when in reality it's vampires. It's, it's probably just Victoria, honestly, like constantly staking out this area. And it's not the wolves. So like Bella races off and is just freaked out because she's seen these like literally giant wolves. They are like 10 feet tall. Like they are huge. And they like fight out on Laurent and like she races home to her father and she's like, dad, they're wolves. You got to go find them. And he he was about to go fishing with his friend who I don't remember his name right now. Harry Clearwater. Justice for Harry Clearwater. Such a good guy. He is such a good guy. He's like a famous actor too, right? Yes. Uh, Graham Greene. And so they decide to not go fishing and start doing like a hunting party. But like he clearly knows like they're wolves and has to hide it from like the general public because he's part of the tribe. And so he's like very like we, we pick it up as the audience that like he knows what's going on and he wants to like 
help keep it a secret because normal people shouldn't know about these weird problems because that would be very problematic. So yeah, and then after some point, this is Bella finds out who these shape-shifting wolves are and like that Jacob's one of them and everything. And from this, she learns that they tore Laurent apart. Like Laurent is no longer here. He is dead. He is gone. They decapitated him with their giant jaws. Bella has like another like crazy meltdown spiral and like it's it I'm this is where I'm frustrated because like these spirals they they hearken to like someone struggling with mental illness and like need professional help and it's dangerous because like they don't have control like she does not have control and it's scary and things can go too far so she goes to the cliff where she saw Sam and the tribe cliff jumping before into the water and she decides she's going to jump off the cliff and it's freezing because it's winter, by the way. It's fucking freezing. And she jumps off but doesn't realize that like the wolves have been chasing Victoria out of the territory. And they've been chasing her because uh, Bella told Jacob, he was like, we, we, we don't know why she's here. And Bella's like, oh, plot twist, it's me hi i'm the problem so they're tracking her down yeah and meanwhile bella's like let me go jump off a cliff real quick yeah because that's totally sane to do and because uh, i just uh, it's just i don't have words anymore because i've already said everything about how frustrating this is (laughs) that's okay so she jumps in but she doesn't know victoria's in there and edward is like been like super ghost apparition talking to her like don't do this i'm scared because he knows that alice has been seeing visions of bella's possible death so she's in the water and she's struggling to swim out because she didn't think that like ocean currents are really tough next to a cliffside and she can't swim out and then we just see this victoria swimming like a torpedo at her in the nick of time, she gets pulled out of the water by Jacob, and Jacob saves her. And then we get this like weird moment where he's driving her back in her truck, and like he's super warm. He is like his body heat is super warm, which is kind of like cool in the sense of like it's like wolves, like he's partial wolf now, so like it makes sense. But like you can clearly see the uh, the liberties that will be taken in storytelling of this that we definitely see in the next movie about staying warm next to Jacob. And when she gets home, Alice is there. And Alice is just like, I'm so glad you're okay. I thought you were dead. I was worried. Like, things are not okay. Like, you're you're so stupid. Like, why are you like this? And Bella's like, because I miss Edward, yada, yada, yada. And we learn that Edward is trying to kill himself because he believes Bella is dead and so he believes he has no purpose anymore. And so in the Vatican, I, I keep calling it the Vatican. It feels like the Vatican. It's someplace in Italy because it's just vampires be vampires and stuff like that. So they're hiding underneath a city that thought destroyed all vampires and stuff like that from the city. Very classic vampire stuff that they're living underground and everything. It feels like the Vatican. Yeah. Also, uh, shout out Harry Clearwater dies of a heart attack because of victoria and that is a discrepancy in the book it happens for a different reason which is not a reason that we know yet in this movie which is interesting but he he it it is still 
dying of a heart attack. It's just not. It's not because of Victoria. Which is very sad because he was such a good guy, such a chill dude. So yeah, so Alice is telling Bella about what Edward's doing. He's going to go talk to the Volturi, the special elite vampires in charge of all vampires and making rules for vampires kind of thing to help make sure they stay in hiding. So like, it's an understandable secret organization to make sure vampires stay in hiding and aren't revealed to the real world and everything. Like it makes sense for like a mythical creature that's been around for literal centuries. You know, I'm like, is this uh, what we do in the shadows all of a sudden? Like, yes, it is because it's a vastly different vibe than anything else we've experienced so far. Yeah, because these are also vampires that like still eat people. Like, regardless, they don't care about people or anything. Like, the colons are very unique that they don't. So then Alice and Bella have to like rush to Italy. And it's like another one of these fucking moments. It's like the first movie again where Bella just disappears from home and leaves a note for her dad. And she thinks he'll be understanding enough. I'm like, no, he is not okay. He probably hasn't recovered from the first time you did this. Like, you disappeared and almost died. And he is worried like hell about you. Like, and you've been like fucking crazy for the last year (laughs) and not getting help you need. So like this dad, like is a dad who actually fucking cares. And you're just the disregard of people that actually care about Bella in this movie is, is, is ridiculous from Bella. And it's like, I understand the, the tunnel vision that you can get sometimes when you're struggling through like a very hard place in your life with mental health and everything like I can understand the blinders sometimes but like she has gotten like the wake up moments many times and like nothing has changed and it's frustrating so Edward has asked the Volturi to kill him but they find him too valuable with his gifts that they won't kill him unless he breaks some sort of you know rule or anything and so Edward's decides that he's going to reveal himself to the people. And it's like, of course, it's coinciding with the anniversary of this Italian town when they pushed out the vampires from their city walls and everything. So there's large crowds of people in giant red robes and everything. So Alice and Bella are busy rushing to Italy super fast, as quick as they can. And there's just been like, I think before Bella left, Jacob was like, don't leave kind of and it was just like they got into a fight because edward called the house to talk to charlie Ed, and jacob was there and picked up the phone said sorry he's not here right now he's planning a funeral and he was planning harry clearwater's funeral but edward due to alice not behaving being able to see past jacob and the werewolves in her visions like assumed that it was okay Bella's actually legit dead so now he's like I'm gonna dip but then Jacob was like don't leave and this whole time Bella's just been telling him how in love she is with Edward that's her whole depression and so she's like obviously goodbye and then like they got in the volvo which i remember i was like why are they putting so much emphasis on the fact that they're driving a volvo um and then i was like they obviously needed some sort of money sponsorship for this movie and drove a volvo to somehow get to italy yeah and like this whole time i'm like jacob's become a whole different person and i'm like 
man, puberty must suck for you right now because it is doing a number on you because like you get ragey quickly, you get super jealous out of nowhere, but you also shapeshift into a wolf. So like, I feel sorry for you, but dude, like recognize your problems and learn to handle it better. Like, come on. Correct. So they're, they're rushing to Italy and we, we, Fucking, I love the Volturi. They're fucking cool. I love them. They're the best. They're dope. They were dope characters. Yeah, Michael Sheen is Arrow. And I'm like, fuck, it's Michael Sheen. I love Michael Sheen. And he's just like here being this like evil leader vampire guy. And I'm like, I'm in it. I'm in for this. I want just this. Like, stop talking about Bella and Edwards and stuff. I just want this. But my fun fact about this is that um, it was noted that he had never read the books, had no idea who his character was or anything, agreed to do the role and learned everything about it through his young daughter uh, who read the books and everything. And that is where he got like all of his advice basically for like how to do this role. Fair enough. He did a great job. He is one of the best believable actors in this whole movie, in my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he is just a legend of an actor anyway. So like it's Michael Sheen. They're rushing through and it's like Edward's going to reveal himself at noon, his sparkly body to all these people. And so Alice and Bella are like racing through the city in this like Lamborghini car. I don't even know. It's like some crazy fast car just driving through the city, like almost hitting people and stuff. And it's just ridiculous. And then they get stuck and Bella has to like race through and try to find the the bell tower and she miraculously after running through a fountain because of course it's so dramatic also i don't understand this ending like this ending sounded like i gotta wrap up this book really quickly and i don't know how to wrap it up so i'm just gonna do this and it's gonna happen in the last 10 minutes again that is how the book also felt at least to me the ending of the book however this like big confrontation was a lot less like, it really kept with the whole tone of, like, this is a book of nothing. Whereas in the movie, it very much felt like we had a lot of nothing, but now we're at this, like, peak. And therefore, I feel like it emphasized how much of a peak it actually felt like. They're like, there was no fight. There was no... I mean, there were stakes, but there was no fight, like, between everybody. So Bella, luckily hides Edward enough just in time and proves that she's alive, but he's also a little bewildered, not believing she's real and stuff like that. They rush inside, but then the Volturi want to talk to Edward. And Edward's like, I didn't break any laws. And they're like, they want to talk to both of you. And they point to Bella. And we see like this new vampire who's played by Dakota Fanning, which is like just super cool to see this like vampire who was turned at like what's assumed like a younger age than most other vampires because it's probably like a big no-no to try to do because it's problematic, understandably. And that's like a big thing in like a lot of, you know, what people have done stories about with vampires of like they usually try not to turn kids because it's it's problematic and it's like only like the the worst of the vampires ever tried to turn kids. Which is like very interesting for like a vampire lore of just, you know, the zeitgeist of vampires. So Bella gets to meet the Volturi. It's like this whole tense situation and Arrow is testing her because he's he's heard that she's immune to all their powers and stuff. And so he takes her hand and like I mean Jane also she has Jane has the ability to like make people feel like feelings. 
and she uses pain a lot because she's like a fucking goth girl essentially <laughs> just like yes. pain. arrow can what because he's kind of like crazy all the way around yeah he he can like when he touches people he can like sense everything they're thinking as well as like partially see into their future tactile telepathy so he can read people's minds but it's it's the idea is that it's in a much deeper way than edward because edward's just like surface level thoughts and arrow is like every thought feeling and memory that the person has ever had right because at at this point arrow is like we have to kill bella because you clearly don't want to turn her. And then Alice is like, no, I've seen it. I've seen it. Because Edward does not want to turn Bella into a vampire. Like, Edward's very adamant about this. And we get this a lot more in Eclipse. Um, but Alice is like, I, I've seen a vision that Bella does get turned into a vampire. And Arrow's like, well, prove that to me. And so he touches Alice and he sees a vision of Bella quickly sparkling in her face running through the forest with Edward in these like very weird period clothing. Like I don't understand the costume choices at times in some of these situations with these movies of like, we're going to go like oddly weird period, but then like also modern times and like it's fine. And it's like, it's not fine. Like it's clashing hard. So with this, like Bella has hope and is like, more committed to Edward and everything. And so they leave, but Bella realizes like how evil these vampires are because they're leading a tour group of people down to as a feast for them. That was a cool moment though. Like it fucked me up for sure watching it for the first time, but I was like, damn, that was actually like, that was savage. So they return back and like, I guess the Colons kind of like come back to Washington kind of. Anyways, Edward has a new commitment to Bella, but we we end the movie like in in a field in in the meadow again. They're you know they're like you know being like young couple in love. They're in their honeymoon phase of being in young love and stuff like that again. Even though like we they were like this in the first movie for a bit too. I, whatever. And Edward's like I don't I don't want to turn you into a vampire. Like, I don't want to burden you. And Bella's like, but it's my choice. Like, I'm not, you're not doing it without me choosing. Like, I do choose this because I want to be with you forever. And I'm like, oh, gross, vomiting everywhere. And then Edward's like, you know what? I will turn you if you marry me. And then we get the longest fucking pause ever before Bella gasps for air. And And it's just like, what? And then the movie just kind of ends with no answer. And you're like, man, I can see the teenage audience of the time losing their shit with this ending if they haven't or if they have read the book. Absolutely. That theater was electric, bro. That that shit was crazy. Yep. 100%. And it's just like, I'm sitting here, like, the pacing does not work anymore, I think, nowadays, because it was just like, such a long pause staring at Bella in a camera shot waiting for an answer and it was just a gasp and I'm like this is oh, I'm done and the movie just ends and we go to credits and you're like great I have to watch the next movie because nothing happened in this movie like the things that happened in this movie I could fit into probably a 15 minute supercut of the whole movie it's it's so dumb it's so dumb well here are some fun facts slash additional information about this movie before we jump into eclipse 
which is arguably not any better. Number one, they did do Bella a little bit dirty in the movie because in the book, she fully had a job. So she wasn't just sitting around moping all the time, but her life was very like monotonous. Uh, But she worked in some sort of like, I don't know, hardware store kind of thing, if I remember correctly. They, they, They didn't bring that up at all in the movie. They just made her really sad. All of the members of the wolf pack had to provide papers showing that they had native descent. So that was something that was like, oh, good. We actually cast people who are supposed to be in these roles correctly. The line that I said is the only line that matters in this movie does not appear in the book and has remained a meme for over 10 years now. And it is when Jacob sees Bella for the first time and he's like, Bella, where the hell have you been, Loka? That, for some reason, just everybody memed it. Everybody thinks it's the stupidest thing that ever got written. And I don't disagree, but what I thought was really funny was re-watching this movie. I was like, wow, this actually is not nearly as cringy as the internet remembers it being. Like, watching it in the movie, I was like... Taylor Lautner did a great job at delivering that line. Horrible dialogue. Great delivery. I was like, he really tried to make that seem as chill and as normal as possible. And it is, it's just gotten flamed for over a decade. It's gotten absolutely flamed. New Moon is Robert Pattinson's favorite book slash movie of the series. I'm like, is it because you were never in it? Because uh, <laughs> because he has expressed that, uh, as well as Kristen Stewart, that this was not their favorite thing that they have worked on in their careers, obviously. When this movie premiered in America, it was a new moon. It was the lunar cycle, November 16th, 2009. Marketing said, we've got this. The reason that there's, so there's a couple things here um, as to why this movie looked so different, that some of them were intentional and some of them were just like inherent byproducts of what happened. So they could not get the previous director back because the turnaround was expected to be within this one year. She said she did not have enough time to work on the script. So essentially what was decided upon was they couldn't find anybody. So the producer asked his friend who was Chris White's and basically begged. And he was like, yeah, okay, I'll do this movie. So That's one of the things for sure, different director. The other thing is that the first movie, it was said, was meant to highlight the relationship between Edward and Bella. So the color tones were a lot more gray, harsh lighting, um, whatever. The, The whole point of New Moon is that it was supposed to focus on the relationship with Jacob and therefore like a the quote, warm glow of a werewolf. Uh, it was supposed to be a lot more orangey and like you know, softer, but intentionally there was no red in the movie until they go to Italy um, because they wanted that jarring flip of when they got to Italy and had to start dealing with the Volturi. So my comments on that is like, yeah, they went super gray blues and stuff in the first movie and everything for, for whatever reason, but like it just made it seem very depressing the whole time. So like, the choices don't work in color theory in this case because it, it doesn't convey the right things. And I think it's just, I think hopefully P 
people looking back who worked on it was like, yeah, maybe that wasn't the best choice for these movies kind of thing. Because in this movie, in New Moon, it was like, to me, it was like a melancholy warm and it didn't jive with the depression that Bella was going through through this whole movie. I'm like, they should have just swapped kind of thing. And it's just, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't work cohesively either because when you go from one to the next, you're just like, who, why, why, why are people choosing this? Because at least for like other film franchises, visually it stays pretty the same. Like you get some moments of artistic stylization, but it's usually purposeful for whatever moment it's being used in. While it's just like a general thing throughout all of these movies, it's like a wash of this color overall. And it just, it doesn't work as they wish to intend it. It just does not work. I agree. I don't, I, I, yeah, I agree. And then my final two little fun facts before we move on to Eclipse. Number one, um, and I meant to mention this when we were talking about Taylor Lautner and him getting in shape and everything. So one of the big drama moments of the, of the fan base was um, finding out that Taylor Lautner might not have returned for the role of Jacob in New Moon because they were afraid, them being the, the producing team, artistic team, uh, were afraid that he would not be able to get in the correct shape fast enough for the movie. And he put on, in that little time, 26 pounds of muscle and got the okay to uh, to be in the film. Absolutely nuts. And then the second one, uh, since we're audio nerds, I don't know if you caught it, but when Mike and Jacob and Bella are watching Face Punch twice, we hear the Wilhelm scream. Classic Wilhelm scream made specifically notorious by Star Wars when it was used. And it's just been this like sound gag ever since. I mean, it's from an old Western, but, you know, Star Wars like super popularized it into pop culture, I feel like. Yeah. So Eclipse, this movie not only changes stylistically visually but genre it changes genre because we don't start the movie with any of the main characters we know we start with some rando guy in seattle i think and we're like who is this and then we learn like this is like a year ago or something possibly and you're like what that's later in the movie we find this out and i'm just like i'm sitting here being like we are watching a horror film because this guy is being stalked by a vampire like, it is black and white almost feeling. It's very noir. It's very slasher film. It's that style. Like, it's high contrast. It's not like a wash of, like, a hue of color or anything like we've seen in the previous two mov- movies. It is like, this is going to be scary action. And I'm like, what is going on with this franchise that they think they can just be so jarring? And, like, it's directed by a different guy another person is directing this movie. And I'm just like, nothing stays the same. I mean, it's the same, I think it's the same cinematographer as the previous movie, but like clearly there's a lot of directorial choices happening. And so like, I just feel bad for like the cinematographer not being able to like do a great job in style choices that would make sense for the whole franchise of this movie, of these movies. Yeah, this guy essentially gets attacked by a vampire and he turns into a vampire in the rain on a dock in Seattle. And we're like, cool. And then we get the title of Eclipse. And we're like, cool, great. 
and we I guess we like assume this is Victoria doing this because we we I feel like we see blips of red hair, but like it's not very clear, right? Yeah, she's beginning. just our what is she? Our our she's just always the redheaded vampire. Also, key thing for this movie, she got recasted. It's now Bryce Dallas Howard, and I hated this take on Victoria, even though apparently everyone else loved it. Like, even, like, Stephanie Meyer loved it more. I'm like, it is horrible. Like, Stephanie Meyer clearly does not know what good taste is. Like, no offense. (laughs) Oh, damn. Sheesh. I mean, and, like, I'm not faulting Bryce Dallas Howard. I think she's, like, a phenomenal actress. I just think this character was not a good portrayal of this character because I dug Victoria in the first movie because we barely saw her in the second movie she was just like this phantom it felt like like i i dug how rochelle took the role of victoria in the first movie and i was waiting for more of that and then it's like it's a whole different person and there's so much makeup done on bryce dallas howard to make her look like a porcelain doll and it's like so much style choices in this movie i don't disagree at all actually i really wanted the previous actress, I was really excited to see what she was going to do. We're back in Forks now. Bella and Edward are still together, and they're they're talking about, like, Bella becoming a vampire and, like, how Edward doesn't want her to become a vampire. And, like, this becomes, like, a big thing for, like, the first, like, feel like half of the movie of, like, Bella fighting people about becoming a vampire, fighting, fighting the Colin family because nobody else knows about wanting to become a vampire. Like, Edward's very much against it because, like, the early years is really tough because she believes she's, like, now part of the Colin family and everything, and, like, they've kind of, like, taken her in. Like, I'm jumping ahead in this movie because I feel like there's, like, a lot of, like, plots that happen and conclude within each other because this movie, like, actually has stuff that happens, but it feels like a lot of stuff has to happen in this movie for whatever reason. Yeah, Choices are made. Choices are made. But so Bella decides to like have the family vote on it because she believes that also matters too because she would be joining their coven, for lack of a better word. And it was like everyone but like one person and Edward. So everyone but two in this case, like voted in favor of Bella to be turned into a vampire and believing that she should be allowed to. And but ultimately, like, letting her have the choice. Like, Alice is super psyched because she's like, we're already practically sisters anyways. Um, I mean, Jasper is, like, worried because, like, I guess he is... We learn in this movie why he's he's worried about it, but he's worried about the early years of being, like, bloodthirsty and everything like that and learning to, like, resist human blood because it's a difficult transition, I guess, for vampires, which is, you know, understandable, I guess, because it's a whole demonic thing anyways. Like, they're products of Satan, but that's a whole mythology of vampires that I don't think they touch on ever in this movie. I mean, they do. Edward does a little. Yeah, he and Bella have this whole dialogue because he doesn't... I don't get Edward in this movie because he has a lot of weird reasoning that, like, hasn't made sense for him as a character. Like, I understand he's 100 years old. But yet he's like, I don't want you to become a vampire for like the usual reasons of like the bloodthirstiness of humans. Like then you're immortal like me and I don't want to be immortal. Like I wish I could die. And and that's a very like vampire literary thing that happens a lot because like the immortality takes a like takes a toll and you just see people 
die around you all the time and the world change and you can't have relationships with new people because yeah they have to die or you turn them into a vampire and then you're stuck with them forever but they can be a completely different person after you turn them but then edward throws this like weird excuse that like he's his soul is damned and like bella does the great dismissive thing of like well i don't believe in that kind of religion and stuff like that so it's whatever so like don't worry about me and i'm like yeah sure like it was such a weird throwaway excuse out of nowhere anyways it felt out of place because nothing else has touched on that part of the lore at all for vampires in this universe so yeah so they they end up making the agreement that bella is gonna be turned after she graduates from high school and i think it was like a week before her 19th birthday or whatever so she's like close to the same age as when edward got turned edward makes sure like she visits her mom before this and so there's this scene where they they travel to florida and she hangs out with her mom like we actually get to kind of like see bella's mom and everything and that's kind of like cool to see who this person is and like how how she's different than bella's dad and like understanding like the divorce that happened and why it kind of happened and everything and it makes sense and so there's like also like this concern of like her mother points out edward and stuff like that of just like i understand it's like it could be true love and stuff like that i just want to make sure you are happy with yourself and stuff like that there's like a little bit of that in there of just like making sure bella's just not fully committed to another person and that's the only reason why the worry of like not doing it for yourself, but doing it for someone else. There's a lot of that kind of concern happening through this movie. I'm trying to remember the plots at this point. It's just, I, I think I hated Bella a lot in this movie. Most people do, actually. And uh, I remember I did as well when I first saw it. That is how I felt. Yeah, because Bella's busy toying with two boys' emotions. Uh-huh. We are in full love triangle. We are in full love triangle. Because Jacob confesses his love for Bella, and Bella reciprocates that she also loves Jacob. Uh-huh. But not, like, it's, like, equally, but also not as much as she loves Edward. And it's like, what the fuck is that? Yes. Yes. Everything about these romances. So here's, here, dear listeners, is a secret. Chandler texted me, and he was like, purely... For promotional material purposes. Are you team Edward or team Jacob? And I was like, how do you expect me to answer this question right now? And I was like, knowing full well that you are not deep into the Twilight series lore (laughs) or fan base. And I was like, and you're just going to casually ask me that over text. And I was like, all right, whatever. And I, I said, okay. I guess right now my stance is that I am team team Edward. My reality is that I'm team nobody and all these people are stupid and toxic and not good. But there is like a moment that happens in Eclipse specifically with Jacob that I was like, damn, my respect was lost. And it's sad and unfortunate. Yes, it was a very meme thing. But like... My partner's like, but then like, also let's like make something that's like actually true to how y'all feel because you guys are probably neither team Edward or team Jacob. And I'm like, (laughs) you're right. You're right. And she joked that like, Chandler, you're team no one. And I'm like, yeah, probably. It sounds like Adam's also team no one. I'm also being like, I'm team Charlie. (laughs) Like, I'm here for Charlie. Team Charlie here. Best dad. Trying to be the best dad. 
trying to be the best person he can. All I care about. So like, who's your real team here, Adam, I guess? <laughs> so we can jump ahead. Why not? Who cares? It's our <laughs> podcast. There are no rules. <laughs> the moment that lost the moment that lost my respect in Eclipse was when Jacob kissed Bella without her consent. And that was really fucked up. And I always found that really fucked up. And I was like, even though Edward is toxic, he has always checked in with everything with her every single part of the way. And like his toxicity is coming from a place of literal, like I am not a mortal. Things are beyond my comprehension because I'm immortal. Why? Like I view this as a curse. Why would I literally curse the person that I love and care about? But also I'm still stuck in the mentality of like a 19 something year old and never grew up, even though I have hundred plus years of experience. And that's why we're just like, that's why it's just a mess. Whereas Jacob is a is a is dealing with his own shit surely but like dude dude he fucked up he fucked up Bella breaks her hand punching Jacob in the face after the kiss because obviously he's like Mr. Beefy I'm a wolf guy now right they changed Charlie's reaction to this in the movie versus the book, and it is one of the best things that the Twilight series had ever done. Because even his, even Jacob's explanation to Charlie, I felt like was really shitty because he called it a total misunderstanding. Um, he was like, I kissed her and then she broke her hand punching my face. Total misunderstanding. Charlie's reaction in the movie is one of like shock and like not necessarily processing what's going on, but also not happy surely um in the book charlie's reaction is like very happy and joyful like uh oh my god thank god like jacob is is running ahead in the race above edward and it was a really shitty reaction to have considering the kiss was unasked for and unwanted charlie's response in the book is literally good for you it was a good change in the movie to not have Charlie have that reaction. Again, considering that the target demographic was mostly young girls. Like, the, yeah, like show that that's not okay. Yeah, I lost all faith in Jacob as well in that moment too. And I was just like, I'm sitting here being like, I can't, I can't stand with either of these people. It is driving me insane. So yeah, this like giant love triangle <sighs> cliche. It's a hard cliche. They rely on the cliche so hard that like it's not until like near the end of the movie where like it stops being cliched, but like it's also arguably still cliched because they like learn to be better people about it all anyways and to accept choices of people. We have Jacob who has all these new emotions. He's we have Jacob in like crazy wolf puberty and doesn't know what to do about it. Yeah, right. Pretty much exactly. Yeah. You're like, why isn't the pack helping him through this? And I'm like, is the pack just useless and like helping? That's the whole point is that they're supposed to be helping him through this and then they just don't. And like, and then you have Edward who is like stuck in the mentality and emotional maturity of a fucking 19 year old, even though he's literally hundreds of years old and he's lived so many experiences, but then he has also the maturity to like be worried about cursing Bella and it just doesn't make sense. Like he hops between such vast maturity levels because he gets super jealous of 
any interaction Bella has with Jacob. Like, Bella can't even say hi to him or wave to him, it feels like, at times, or Edward's going to lose his shit. And it's like a whole fucking thing. Between all this love triangle stuff through this movie, Victoria's still around being a pain in the ass, right? And wants Bella dead. The Colons have, like, moved back, so, like, they haven't been gone for very fucking long, I guess, because, like, this movie literally picks up after the last movie, it feels like. Because we're still in senior year, baby. We barely see school anymore. They, like, graduate almost midway through this movie, and Jessica's the one who's, like, the valedictorian, and she does the whole speech and everything and tries to not make it cliche. Stereotypical high school movie, let me tell you. But, like, between all this, like, there's a lot of, like territory grievances and stuff because like the colon family is busy trying to like take out victoria but like the wolves are also trying to get them out get victoria out of their territory and like victoria is taking advantage of it and hopping between the territories and everything and there's like a misunder quote unquote a misunderstanding happens because one of the vamp one of the colons leaps over into the the wolf territory and a fight kind of breaks out and it's like a whole ordeal and he gets chucked back over. But like no one like got like really, really hurt. But like Victoria is still at large and escaping and causing havoc. And so there's a lot of like this like territorial grievances that are happening. But then a partial agreement happens because they start hearing about all of these mysterious deaths that are happening in Seattle. And it's clearly vampires like normal people haven't picked up on it because a lot of people have been dying and a lot of people have been going missing and it's guessed that a vampire army is being made and we learn from Jasper through this really weird backstory. I feel bad for him but then I also don't feel bad for him. It's, I'm really conflicted but like I have to understand it's I wouldn't be as conflicted if he wasn't like a confederate general before he got turned. That in and of itself is like what the fuck? I will say the books did a significantly better job. Redeeming is too strong of a word because how do you redeem yourself from being a Confederate general? But did a much better job at, at least showing where and what his loyalties were now that we do not get in the movie, which is unfortunate because there actually was like a lot written into the books regarding kind of like jasper's backstory and character arc throughout this part of the series and we lose most of it jasper tells bella i think because we're honestly from the perspective of bella through all this she and i i think the wolves because they they start talking about how they should team up to like working together because this vampire army won't realize that there are these lichens around and everything yeah, Jasper goes on the story about how he was turned and he was used as a vampire general. But before that, he was a Confederate general for the South during the Civil War. Like, if he wasn't a general, like, he could have been a Confederate soldier. I feel like that has an easier path to redeemability. But because he was like a general of the Confederate army, like, he was a position of power, believing what he was doing was the right way of the future. But he got turned into a vampire. I forgot by who. It was just, I, I believe it was just another, like, random. New, like, he was, Jasper 
was a soldier, like for an army of newborns. So that's the parallel here is like he, you know, it was whoever was starting that. He he was sucked in when he first got turned by the vampire that turned him. And like they had this like very specific bond because vampires can have these like weird dependency bonds kind of thing. But it was clearly like taking advantage of Jasper because when he turned, he had like extraordinary strong ability and speed and everything. Like he was the ideal soldier for this new vampire army. And so he would help turn more vampires and train them to be a vampire army and everything. And it, it was evil. It was dark vampire army because the, the leader in charge, he was didn't allow these newly turned vampires to like be more than like a few weeks old or something before they had to be killed. And Jas- Jasper had to kill all of them and he would, feel every emotion they had as he killed them and everything. So like Jasper's got these like crazy super abilities and everything, but he's like plagued with this. And then Alice eventually found him and saved him from this. And that's why they have this like super deep bond with each other. And so that's why he has the most experience with vampire newborns. And he kind of helps teach how to take them out and how to watch out for you know strategies that they do because they they are uh, vampires apparently are at their strongest when they've just turned and i'm like i don't understand any of the lore in this but whatever i the only thing that that possibly relates to to me is like when you think of like venomous snakes they're the most dangerous when they're little because they have no way to um control how much venom they're actually producing Versus when they're older, producing slash releasing into their prey. Uh, So that's the same way I took it was I was like, okay, that kind of made sense to me. They're like creating their own lore for sure. But I was like, it does. It does. In that regard, I guess I can kind of make it make sense. Sure. Yeah, I could get that. So like, yeah. So Jasper takes the lead of trying to train everybody, even the wolves, because they have like a they agree to like train with each other and learn from each other and stuff like that. Uh, but between all of this, of course, we, we've also had Bella becomes accepted in part of the, yeah, she p- becomes more accepted of the Quaalute tribe. She's like the first outsider to know about these secrets. And so she sits with the elders and learns the stories of, like, we get another flashback sequence sequence of why they shapeshift into wolves and stuff like that. And we see, like, how it they save their people from the first cold ones is what they call the vampires and everything. We just get some more history of the tribe and everything, which is really cool and interesting to have that backstory and everything. But then I'm also sitting here being like, you're uh, taking advantage as a writer of someone's culture. Yeah, they didn't get any compensation or anything. A bit of appropriation right there. To say the least. Yeah. We do get a new character this movie. However, Uh, we get Leah, who is so underrepresented in the movie versus in the books. In the movie, she is one of the werewolves. Uh, she is one of the newest, it will the newest werewolf, uh, whatever wolf that is about all we know about her. Um, on top of the fact that she deeply dislikes Bella, like is pissed at Bella all the time, blames Bella for a lot because she is, uh, the daughter of Harry. She is the daughter of Harry Clearwater. And here is the big difference from new moon and eclipse. 
Harry Clearwater's heart attack was caused by seeing Leah transform into a wolf. And he that is why he died. So in the book, there is actually so much more backstory to Leah as a character and the grief that she, and guilt that she experiences as a character. And on top of that, she is the only female wolf. She is the only one of the pack and will only ever be the only one of the pack. And so those two things together is why she is a bitter, angry, like person all the time because a she's dealing with all of that guilt but also bella is the reason the vampires are there bella is the reason that they all turned like bella is ultimately a cause as to why her father had a heart attack and died uh and also why leah is stuck in this horrible situation where she's the only girl in a in a pack full of bros again reading the books i thought she was whiny i didn't like her i was like leah shut the fuck up but i as an adult uh, I'm like, damn, that is one of our saddest characters. Like she's dealing with the most and she is completely glossed over in this movie. She had so much more to her. And a lot of people were really upset that they made that change with how Harry Clearwater died because it it essentially resulted in them just cutting out Leah as a character because it didn't, it didn't, she didn't need to be one since they rewrote that, that part. Yeah. I'd be upset too. That's, that's dumb. That's so dumb. In the movie, she's just this angry person that just is out for Bella, which is understandable at the same time because like Bella has been causing so many problems anyways and doesn't realize it and won't like take any accountability for any of it because she's just so in love with Edward and you're like, oh, fucking hell. But anyways, so Bella's been trying to like make peace throughout with Edward and Jacob in this dumb love triangle thing. That like she invites Jacob to the graduation party that the Colons are hosting at their house, which is like a whole thing. I think it's at that scene we hear some more Muse. So like, fuck yeah, more Muse in this movie. <laughs> I'm just hoping there's more in Breaking Dawn Part One and Two. But yeah, they're at the graduation party, and then there becomes this like realization, or like someone hears news or something. This is where they like find out like truly about the vampire army that's being made in Seattle, and that. It's probably going for the colon. It's going for Bella and trying to destroy the colon family. And it's probably Victoria because Alice has got these like mixed visions of trying to figure it out. And she sees them attack. She sees this new vampire army attack. The colons are like wondering like why the Volturi aren't getting involved because they would, because this is not okay. Like they're making headlines and they're being too known about it and it's getting worrisome. But we also know that some of the Volturi are allowing this to happen, specifically Jane is allowing this to happen because she has some sort of disdain for the Cullen family, which is a one-off line we had in New Moon that like she and Edward dated at some point, and I found that fucking weird or something like that. Like, Yeah, I honestly, I have... I don't remember this, if I'm being honest. I don't remember how this was handled in the book at all because I think it might have been equally as brief in a, in a you know, just like a weird, I'm trying to explain this away sort of vibe. Jane is allowing this vampire army to be a thing and cause havoc because she has it also out for Bella, I guess, kind of. It's very unknown what her motives are. She just seems like she likes to fuck shit up. Like, Jane... Jane always seemed to the the one to me who was like, 
I'm I'm in a position of power. Like, how do we, you know, how do we make things a hot mess? Let's do that. And she's choosing not to tell Arrow because anything Arrow knows, Alice can help see his, like, Alice is tied into seeing what he does in his future and stuff like that since, like, meeting with him in the Volturi because the Colons are paranoid that they're going to be taken out by the Volturi because of the new agreement they made to turn Bella, and if they don't, then what have you may come. It's all, like, very vague threats. So great. Whatever. I mean, I I believe Michael Sheen as Arrow would do some dark, dark shit if he could, but, like, it's all vague threats throughout, and I'm just like, cool, so what happens? So, yeah, so it's from this point, like, a better, more formidable truce between the wolves and the vampires happen to take out this vampire army that is going to come and attack. And they're clearly after Bella because it's Victoria who's starting this army. But Alice can't see exactly who's in charge of the army. She just knows it's going to attack, but it's assumed that it's Victoria. Like everyone's like, it's probably Victoria. But we learned that it's Victoria is using the same tactics that like Jasper has experienced which is she turned Riley, which is the guy we saw get turned at the beginning of the movie. He is the one starting this army, and it's like a fucking chaotic mess. Like, there, it's like literal riots, burning cars, flipping them over, attacking anyone in public at night. And it's just like, what are you doing? And like, he's getting a lot of heat because like they're being too you know too open about all the killing and turning that they're doing and he's like we gotta stop doing this like we need to you know keep a secret because we have plans and he learns further from victoria victoria like manipulates him and she's like convincing him that he is her one and only and everything like that and so yeah riley has this like commitment to do everything for victoria like victoria is being the biggest manipulative crazy vampire that she is because she wants revenge on Edward and kill and to kill Bella. It's all Bella's fault is what we learned in this movie. Everything is Bella's fault. They have to plan on how to ambush the vampires. And so they're like, oh, we'll take hide Bella's scent because her scent is so tied to Edward. Um, and Victoria clearly has a huge scent on both Edward and Bella. And so... It's like, oh, Jacob will hike her up to the summit of this mountain. And because his stench as a wolf hides at Bella's scent kind of thing. And it's like, you get a lot of like weird racism, for lack of a better word, between vampires and the wolves. Yeah, I would agree with that. If we're being very blunt, this entire series has heavy Christian uh, undertones and Stephanie Meyer is... Mormon. So, yes, I believe fully that that has made its way into some of the lore and things like that that she is creating with her stories. So, okay. So then we kind of like get to like the vampire army is like on their way. And so they have to like do all the preparation. So this is like where like Jacob takes Bella up to the summit of the mountain and Edward's there and Jacob stays up with them because of the telepathy that the wolves have with each other. So he can like keep in contact with the wolves who are on the battlefield and know when the battle and how things are going. We also met Seth. Seth is a really cool kid who's also a new wolf 
part of the tribe and he's like the youngest wolf they've ever seen, which is like really crazy for them or whatever. A lot of new things are happening because apparently the people of the tribe transform into wolves when there's a high threat of vampires. And Seth is Leah's brother. It's the two of them. And so I guess because of the vampire army and now like this, the issues with the agreement treaty with the Cullens, like lots of people are turning into wolves for whatever reason. And that is how it's explained. And we just move on. <laughs> so then we're at the top of this mountain and it starts fucking snowing. And I'm just like, where the hell are, like, are we up a real mountain? Because it, to me, it felt like it's not that far, but like, I don't know where, I I have no concept of space and time in this series, like at all. Yeah, that's valid. As, as it's it? like a blizzard. <laughs> it feels like a goddamn blizzard's happening at the top of this mountain. Bella's freezing to death. Edward can't do anything because he's frozen to the bone anyways. So... Jacob comes in shirtless from this blizzard at night on top of this mountain being like, I can't like get any rest because all I hear is chattering teeth and it's Bella freezing to death. Jacob's like, yo, I'm going to help Bella out because she can die. So I'm going to do this. And Edward's like, yeah, sure, fine. And then we get this like their relationship becomes a little better because they both want what's best for Bella. And to me, right here in this fucking moment could have been some of the best, I mean, probably cringe, probably cliche, probably (laughs) whatever, another romance could have fucking happened. I could have had some gay vampire werewolf stuff. I could have had it right here. You could have had it. And they denied me. They did. They denied me. They said, not in our good Christian vampire werewolf movie. (laughs) would have been so fucking good it was like right there because there's like became a mutual understanding about how they cared and loved for bella and i was just like fucking kiss like edward he's shirtless right now you could probably feel how warm he like it was like it was right there you can write it hey you know what they did kiss at an awards ceremony yeah um uh, this is a quick tangent i promise um there was as it is at award shows and also just gross with the way that cinema and that whole structure treats women. Kristen Stewart was being pressured in real time to kiss, I believe, who whoever was on stage. I think it was Robert Pattinson. And instead of literally forcing her to kiss him or anything like that he went and found taylor lautner in the audience and the two of them kissed instead uh so that was a a really um honestly like showed me at least at that point in time what kind of guy robert pattinson was because i was like good for you for for choosing something that like took the pressure off of her entirely yeah because i can't imagine like what Kristen stewart had like gone through in both the process of making these movies from like the hellhole that like has already been discussed about but then also like the public backlash and you know perception of her as a celebrity and everything especially like during that time of the thousands because i feel like i feel like the general public especially like the youth of like the thousands and everything we we all had a hard time discerning actors from the characters they played 
A hundred percent. And they became like one of the same and it be, it became a very toxic, problematic thing. Because I was like, the, I mean, I think around this time, like The Walking Dead just started as well. And so people had issues with some of like oh, okay. the actors who played some of these like horrible characters on The Walking Dead. But it's like... And it was like, they're characters. That's not them. Yeah. Even though there is some bad media with some of sure, the... Sure, sure. Absolutely. ...that has happened in such a large franchise, The Walking Dead. But... In general, it's like a lot of that backlash was like happening. And I was just like, what a weird place to be in pop culture that like people believed so heavily that these people were actually those people. And it's like, no, they're putting on a show like they're entertaining you or trying to literally trying to in literally. Case. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I could have had my gay werewolf vampire plot. I, it was right there and I was denied it and I was upset. And I didn't care about the rest of this movie because it just went off the rails from this point forward because Bella warms up and after the next morning, Bella is like awake and like Edward comes back with this like super jealousy the next morning and like Jacob is like going to just like check the perimeter or something and like uh, Seth is around. I think Seth popped up to like check in on how things were. Uh, but like Jacob went to go check the perimeter and then the, then and there Edward like proposes to Bella again and Jacob hears it because he's a goddamn wolf. Because he knows, because Edward knows that Jacob can hear it. So it was a move done out of jealousy, which is what's the word, folks? Toxic. Uh- <laughs> yeah, this is this is the theme of this episode toxicity lots of toxic characters doing toxic things and not taking care of them toxic selves like come on so yeah so then like jacob gets all like really really hurt and bella goes and talks to him in private and like they kiss then consensually and it's just like what the fuck is going on i am getting tired of bella at this point like being the biggest tease, I feel like, and like, like I, I hate using that, but like, it's what she's doing right now, even though she might not know what she's doing, but like, it feels like she's just being a big tease. And this is why you don't get engaged at 18 years old, is because you don't know what you want. So yeah, so then Jacob then goes down to battle and everything, and Edward and Bella stay up with Seth. We kind of get like, a. it wasn't a very interesting battle sequence, you know, it was like kind of cool, but it wasn't like anything new because I'm just sitting here. The wolves look great for 2008, 2010 CGI, right? Like the wolves look great. But then out of nowhere, the vampires become fucking ice sculptures. What the fuck is that decision? I hate and it looks so bad. It looks so bad. I will say the fight sequence, I feel like hits different when you were someone who read the books because the books are written from Bella's perspective. So we don't ever actually get the battle within the book. Um, We just get her up on this mountain the whole time. Uh, So when it came time to actually watch the movie, it was really cool seeing the battle get acted out because they're not there. Gotcha. It's very, she was Bilbo in The Hobbit. During the yes. battle to find armies. Yes. Gotcha. Yes, exactly. There we go. <laughs> Look at <Interesting>. that. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me. Big, big literary brain here. 
so yeah, so like the battle to me like wasn't like super interesting, and I just hated the new change in the vampires of like they are ice sculptures when like in the previous two movies like they kind of turned to dust like they should because and they they made that a thing in the previous two movies that like they turned into dust and now they like turn into ice. I think it's just a bad choice, and and it gets worse. Victoria shows up and she realizes Bella's not there, and she somehow picks up. Bella's sent at the top of the mountain and she and Riley race up this mountain to attack Bella and then Edward's there defending and Seth is helping defend and it's like a whole fight sequence here and Victoria's true intentions get revealed in front of Riley after Riley has like lost his hand. I think because I hated Riley losing his hand and having this like stupid looking ice stub that looked so bad and then he gets killed Riley gets killed at some point. Like fights happen. Nothing like interesting. No substance happens in these fights, really. But like, anyways, Victoria then also gets killed. She gets decapitated. And this is like the worst CGI I've seen in this movie is this decapitated ice pick head bullshit. And it just looked so bad. It looked like bad Photoshop clip arty nonsense. Like something I would do in 10 minutes and call it good and be like, yeah, that's it. I mean, it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm running. I'm wondering how rushed the, the special effects team was, honestly, in post of like the visual effects team just to like get that done because I can't imagine how many like changes were happening, editing, and like how quick these movies turned around. It's like insane. Like they were coming out like every year. It's like, and that's a hell of a, like nobody does that anymore for a good reason because you don't make good products that way. Like Marvel had to quickly learn that early on and did so, but then they got too gung ho with too much money. And, you know, we're at this weird state of being superhero fatigued. So, yeah, terrible CGI, but Victoria has been killed. And so they go back down the mountain, but then there's like one rogue vampire still around and like a newborn yeah who managed to escape leah is fighting it in wolf form of course in wolf form leah's fighting it but then jacob gets involved and it was a trick and jacob gets badly injured because the vampire gets around him and like crushes his torso his ribcage it's wolf biology like crushes his you know chest in which translates to his ribcage when he morphs back into a human yeah and he's like in excruciating pain carlisle tries to help he wants to help and so he's trying to do it but then alice sees that the voltori are on their way and so they have to like make the wolves disappear because they can't see the wolves because the the colons want to protect them the voltori don't know about the wolves and so jane and her posse show up and they're like oh we're glad you handled this and everything and there's like some questioning of like why the voltori didn't get involved sooner when it was like expected that they would, but they were like, we just want to test you to make sure you were still capable as a family and everything like that. But then there's like this little girl newborn vampire who was like, like Jane, she she was turned at a young age, but was like forced into this vampire army, clearly doesn't want to be there because she hid during the whole battle and didn't get involved. And so the Colin family, like someone recognized the fear that she had and they're willing to adopt her into the family. But Jane's like, nope, Volturi law states that she has to die and stuff like that. Whatever bullshit rules it is and everything. She literally gets killed by one of Jane's henchmen or something like that, right? We don't really see it because 
they make the smart choice not to see a child getting killed, I guess. Yeah, there's also comments of like, oh, Bella's still not a vampire. And, it, and like Bella's like, a date's been made. Just wait. And it's like a little tense and weird and everything. And you're like, cool, great. There's just this weird tension, but everything's fine. And then we, we cut to Carlisle like re-breaking and resetting Jacob's bones because his fast healing is like, I can't imagine that kind of pain, but like it was, it worked storytelling wise, I guess for that. Uh, and then Bella goes to see Jacob and Jacob has a partially redeeming moment of like, he apologizes and he understands that like she gets to make the choices she makes for herself. And he's sorry for, being the shitty person that he has been and he just wants what's best for her. So so Jacob has a bit of a redeeming moment in this at this point in the movie and he just wants what's best for Bella and hopes she's happy kind of thing. And so then Bella returns to Edward and they're in the meadow again. And like, I forgot, like throughout this movie, Bella has wanted to have sex with Edward uh-huh. before she turns. Sure does. Which is like a whole goddamn weird thing. And it's, like, Edward's, like, understandably, like, unsure, doesn't want to do it because he's scared he could hurt her, also believes in marriage, the Christian values that are coming out here and stuff like that. But, like, Bella is gung-ho, very thirsty. She said, give me that dig, bro. Because <laughs> she wants to do it as she has these emotions now before she turns into a vampire and gets overwhelmed with bloodlust and stuff like that i get is is the is the idea here and so edward is like okay how about this how about well so like they come to a better like agreement i guess because like edward's like caved that he will turn her and but he wants to get married so bella's like okay fine we're gonna get married have sex and then turn me into a vampire yep that is a hundred percent the conversation to a T. Stereotypically, this movie ends with like, but first we have to do one scary thing. Probably the the most important thing we ever have to do. We have to tell my dad we're engaged. And, and the movie just ends. And I'm like, great, fine, yep. whatever. Fuck they this. They have like, to tell Charlie, who's in movie one, polishing his shotgun uh, as she was getting ready to go on a date. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, but like earlier in this movie, like he talked to Bella about like how he and Bella's mom, like, got together too soon. But he also fucking hates Edward. He hates Edward. So, like, I get it. I get the fear there, you know? Because, like, Bella asked him, like, why the marriage didn't work out and why he hasn't, like, gone looking for another partner and stuff like that. And he's just like, well, I haven't found anyone. And it is what it is. Like, clearly, your mom and I realized that us being together was a mistake because we got together too young and committed to something too young and didn't realize what we wanted. But like, we also had you. And so there's a commitment to like making sure you grew up and like, you know, like loving family stuff and everything like that. And so he had like this cautious tale of like rushing into things without like fully knowing who you are and the options you have and the standards you can set for yourself. And I'm just sitting here being like, Bella's not going to hear any of this because she's so toxically involved with Edward and with Jacob. And it's just it's it's just going to go through her head like none of this matters. None of this matters. And it clearly doesn't. The way this movie ends, I'm like, great. I don't need another book. 
I don't need another movie. We've solved everything. Victoria is no longer a threat. We just have the weird vagueness of the Volturi, but like you, we don't need any more. Jacob Ooh, is happy for I don't Bella. know, Chandler. There's still <laughs> the one loophole that has to get wrapped up. What loophole? Like, it's fine. Like, Jane's, like, being weird and wanting power and stuff. And, like, Bella will be turned into a vampire after they get married. Like, we don't need anything after this movie. Like, this is it. It ties up everything. What loophole am I missing? Well, surely it doesn't tie up everything because if it tied up everything, we would have seen the wedding and we would have seen her get turned. This is the <laughs> argument I had with my partner a few days ago about this. Because I was like, when I finished Eclipse, I was like, so why is there another book? Like, there, there's no need to have another book. And she's like, because the fans wanted to see the wedding. And I was like, that's yes. it. <laughs> That's fan service and is pointless. Like these oh, books are yeah. bad enough as they are. Oh, Breaking Dawn part one and two, man. That's the that's it's gonna happen. I'll give you some time, but we will be we will be watching them. I was done. Like these movies ended fine. Could have been a trilogy. Done deal. I'm tired of these toxic characters. Also, something I missed talking about throughout. We have this like weird dialogue about how the wolves can imprint on someone. Ah, yes, correct. Let's not spoil anything because it got spoiled for me by my partner because she's like, you know, yada yada happened. We're going to leave that outrage for later. Oh, no, you didn't know. Damn it. I didn't know. It's okay. Damn it. You can blame Kate. I wanted to hear the authentic (laughs) rage. Tell Kate we're beefing. That, that idea of imprinting is kind of weird because it's like soulmate driven, but also toxic as well. Like everything's toxic. And I'm like, what values are being? It's it's the the literal value that's being pushed is that there is one person for every person. And it is a it is a predestined, infinite, finite those are opposites, but like somehow they both still make sense. But like thing, like a a vampire finding their mate, that's for life. A werewolf imprinting on somebody, that's for life. Like that is the value that's getting pushed there. It is that everybody, every whatever, has one person for entirety. It's giving it's giving purity culture a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, it's it's weird. It's toxic and problematic for sure. Um, Okay, well, some fun facts in this movie. Kristen Stewart actually wore a wig for the whole film because her hair was cut off to do the Runaways movie, which I think I am adding to my list of movies to try to squeeze in somewhere because I really loved her in the Runaways. I thought it was great. And I'm pretty sure. I'm going to double check myself. Yes, uh, Dakota Fanning was the um, was the other leading lady in uh, in The Runaways. So we had Kristen Stewart and Dakota Fanning coming from Twilight, but also doing The Runaways. Uh, Eclipse is Taylor Lautner's favorite book. So New Moon was Robert Pattinson's and Eclipse is Taylor Lautner's. The actor who played Jasper is actually also 
from Texas. He is a native Texan. And we find out in the film, right, Jasper was originally from Texas. Uh, so the actor fought, quote unquote, for Jasper to wear cowboy boots uh, in the movie. He felt like that was impo- uh, important. Um, Bryce Dallas Howard was also his favorite actress, and he got to act alongside her since she got recast as Victoria. Tom Felton, a.k.a. Draco Malfoy, and Channing Tatum were both in the running to play Riley. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. Um, Riley also was like a nobody in the book. He did not really have anywhere near the role that they gave him for the movie with that whole kind of like lieutenant status kind of thing. Um, so it was interesting that they decided to make him such a big deal in the movie version. Oh, uh, Drew Barrymore was considered as a director for this movie, which I thought was fascinating. I have no idea what that would have looked like. That would have been early in her directing career, right? Yeah. I think that was everything that I had that was worth, uh, that was worth talking about for Eclipse. Yeah. It's been a lot of ranting. I hope it's been enjoyable ranting. I mean, it looks like Adam's enjoyed himself. I I love this discussion. I'm here for it. I, I hope I have like reasonable takes. I feel like I do. I just yeah, it's it's a very odd franchise and it, it's how I feel about a lot of storytelling that uses an exploitative nature to push a sh- certain agenda in a very like problematic way. And it's like a problematic agenda too, and it's it's frustrating. And it's just like, you can't, yeah. I mean, like, my biggest thing is like, don't play with mental illness like an exploitative plot device. That's, that's evil. Absolutely. Well, you made it. You made it. You got your feelings out. And I'm proud of you. Next week, because we are in the month of February, and therefore it is Black History Month, we have chosen to pick two movies that that relate to that. So Chandler, what is your movie, sir? I chose the 1997 film Miss Evers Boys, which is really, really interesting. It's been something I've wanted to watch for a while, but just haven't had the time. So I don't have an excuse to. Nice. This That'll be a first watch for me, too. And I picked I went down the documentary route and I picked um, the documentary 13th directed by Ava DuVernay. It is something that Chandler and I have both seen before but it's been a, a significant chunk of time since either of I have either of us have watched it so we've got 13th for me yeah we'll be I feel like we'll be both diving into a lot of history and statistics and like culture and society and conversations down that route but like of course we'll have the caveat that we are two passing white men in this society so we understand the privilege that we inherently have as people. Absolutely. Without a doubt. But yeah, I'm excited. And I, I hope everyone else is excited. Please like, subscribe, comment if you like hearing all of this stuff. Once again, thank you guys for listening to Resonant Reels. I've been Adam. And I've been Chandler. And we'll catch you all next week. See ya. See ya.